listener-supported radio. Talk that brings Christ to the world. Welcome to the Relevant Radio Winter Pledge Drive. Give from the heart. It's Tuesday, February 6, 2024. Good morning, and welcome back to another edition of Morning Air as we begin day two of our Give from the Heart Winter Pledge Drive. Praise be Jesus Christ. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn Leverins and our studio producer, Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us on this Tuesday morning across much of our great nation that is actually awake uh, this hour. I've said it so many times before, drawing from my uh, sports background, it's not where you start, but where you finish. And we've got uh, a ways to go, but we uh, got off to a great start yesterday on day one. It's such a a blessing. Uh, We can't do it without you, our relevant radio family. I just want to say thank you for all uh, the support uh, yesterday and day one of our pledge drive. We had over 700 bags of Guadalupe Gold Blend coffee and mugs uh, that uh, the folks uh, uh, wanted by 5 p.m. yesterday. So it was a great way uh, to honor Our Lady of Guadalupe. I know it's early in the morning, but we do need your help uh, to reach our goal by the end of the week of $3 million just to keep going for another three months. We're about 17% of the goal. So again, we have a a ways to go. Uh, As we always do uh, every hour during the pledge drive, uh, we begin with the memorari, invoking the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary, to help us with our pledge drive and for an end to abortion in our nation. And of course, we continue to pray for peace in the Middle East and all of your many prayers requests. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despite not our petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer us. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn, and patroness of Relevant Radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit. Every morning when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. Jesus, I trust in you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. want to bring in uh, Glenn and Sarah. Hey, guys, it was a, a pretty good start uh, yesterday uh, on day one of our Winter Pledge Drive. Yeah, I understand uh, folks were bouncing off the walls at the uh, studios of Relevant Radio there, thanks to that uh, coffee. And uh, I heard <laughs> I heard Cyrus uh Talking with the, the the coffee folks yesterday, and and indeed, yeah, that blend of coffee had a little more caffeine, maybe than. Uh, what do you mean? What do you basic. mean? It, it wasn't any. It was, it's the same. The norm is. It's, it's, it's totally fine. It was, it was good. It was good. It was good. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was great. I I, I really enjoyed it, and uh, it was. Uh, it was a lot of fun to to, uh, to promote uh, that uh, Guadalupe coffee. Um, meanwhile, here uh, on day two, what are uh, some of the uh, big stories making headlines on this Tuesday morning? Uh, sad news out of the, the country music world, guys. We'll raise up our glasses against evil forces singing. Whiskey for my men, beer for my horses. 
Country music star and Oklahoma native Toby Keith has died. His family says he died in his sleep last night. An award-winning artist, Keith, was 62. He'd been battling stomach cancer in recent years. Again, Toby Keith dying overnight at the age of 62. That is uh, very, very sad news, especially for all the country music lovers out there. Um, may he rest in peace. Uh, meanwhile, uh, yesterday after the show, uh, we heard of uh, King Charles being diagnosed with cancer. What is the latest uh, from across the pond? Well, he was in the hospital recently uh, for a checkup for an enlarged prostate, and they did some work on that. They found some cancer unrelated to the original reason for going in, and uh, so he's immediately canceled all his public appearances. He'll uh, he'll still keep doing his kind of behind-the-scenes work with the paperwork and all the official King stuff there, but uh, he'll get treatment immediately, and uh, so folks rallying around him. Uh, meanwhile, uh, William and Kate, who might pick up some of the, the slack from some of the King's duties, uh, uh, they're busy kind of keeping an eye on Kate, who's been hospitalized lately as well. So uh, some medical challenges for the royals, John. Yeah, and, I, and according to the uh, British uh, Prime Minister, uh, Rishi Sunak, uh, it's uh, really good that the cancer was caught early. So uh, the one thing that's kind of uh, uh, surprising is that they're not really uh, saying what exactly it is. It's, it's a little bit uh, secretive uh, from uh, Buckingham Palace. Yeah, I'm sure word will get out eventually, but uh, no word yet that, that that's out. Elsewhere, uh, we don't have a king, but we have a president, and on the road to the presidential election, it's a primary in Nevada tonight, and this is a little different this year in terms of uh, Nevada normally does a caucus. Uh, state law now calls for a primary there, but the Republicans only awarding delegates in the caucus, and candidates had to pick and choose, I guess, early on, so... Nikki Haley will be running in the Republican primary tonight, but not President Trump. But there'll be no delegates awarded uh, today in Nevada. And then on Thursday night will be the caucuses. And President Trump uh, has his name in the hat there. And that's where uh, delegates actually will be awarded. Kind of surprising that there is this kind of uh, of confusion <laughs> with a presidential contest. Well, I think, you know, and there's a few odd cases like that around the country and kind of the, the mix of Parties ultimately being in charge of who they nominate uh, for their candidates. But the, the way it's done, you know, seems a lot like regular elections. But, you know, especially with the caucus thing, it's a little bit a little bit different. And so it, it's not quite as straight ahead as the general election. Meanwhile, uh, t- today is National Chopsticks Day. And so uh, people uh, around the world are celebrating uh, chopsticks, uh, guys. Oh, drumsticks. I'll put those down. There it Come on, Glenn. This is what he's talking about. He's talking about these kind of chopsticks. <laughs> no? What other kind of chopsticks are there? I think I thought we got them all. No? Okay, well. Yeah, chopsticks that you eat with, I think, is where they're probably heading. That might that's be. exactly okay, it. John, well. you any good with those? Do you have uh, any chopsticks? I, I am uh, so-so. I'm not that good with them. I have, have used them in the past. Funny story, you know, we, we've had a couple of uh, Chinese exchange students uh, for my son's high school. And uh, the first day that he was with us, uh, this kid sits down. We're at the dining room table. It's a Sunday dinner. And he looks at us. He goes, where's the chopsticks? <laughs> We didn't have any on day one. So, of course, my wife, Cindy, went out and bought a, a couple of boxes of chopsticks to make sure that he was happy. Well, what were you eating that he thought, oh, I need to have chopsticks? Because I've heard that's really hard to eat a burger with chopsticks. So, I mean, 
I guess it probably depends on the cuisine that you're serving. Well, you you're just probably... stab some of the stuff. You just stab it with the chopsticks. Oh, we'll see. Now it depends on where you're at, because um, <laughs> if you are in a certain country and you're stabbing, it is very rude to do that. So, Glenn, learn your chopstick etiquette. Don't be stabbing with chopsticks. This is no good. You know, I, about, oh, about 25 years ago, I was on a mission trip for a couple of weeks in China. And so those of us on the trip kind of thought, well, we'll try to be immersed in local culture and we'll learn to, to eat with chopsticks. And so... Uh, you know, we might have gone hungry a little bit the first few days, but you get the hang of it. And it got to be, I'm trying to remember before we started here, we were talking about this, whether I was good enough to pick up a peanut with chopsticks, you know, the kind that are mixed in the oil and stuff like that, as opposed to, you know, still in the shell, that wouldn't be that hard, or a, a kernel of corn. But one was really difficult, and the other one I was kind of proud I mastered, but I hadn't mastered both. But, uh, you know, if you get a pile of rice, you kind of use the chopsticks almost as a spoon. So that's... Uh, yeah, that's that's uh, my my advice. <laughs> Stab it or use them as a spoon. Either way, enjoy your chopsticks uh, today if you can on National Chopsticks Day. As always, thanks uh, so much, uh, uh, Glenn and Sarah. Hey, sure thing, John. We are uh, looking for uh, 50 uh, people uh, here this hour. That's 50 uh, brothers and sisters uh, to support our work uh, during this 6 a.m. hour. And that's really a small amount when you consider the potential audience that we have all across our country, the folks that are up uh, with us this morning. So I want to encourage you to give in honor of the upcoming feast of Our Lady of Lourdes, our Blessed Mother Mary, who always intercedes for us and points us to her son, Jesus. And this is really what it's all about. It's about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're going to take a short break. When Morning Air continues, Catholic writer and speaker Laura DiMaria will be with us to talk about Lent and what it means to offer it up. Stay with us. There's much more to come here on Morning Air after a word from Relevant Radio CEO, Father Rocky. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. And welcome back to Morning Air as we continue with day two of our Give from the Heart Winter Pledge Drive. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us across much of America here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio. It's always a blessing to be with you uh, here on the network. Uh, you can uh, send us your email, any thoughts or story ideas that you have, morningair at relevantradio.com. And our number, if you want to uh, be part of the program here this morning, uh, 888-914-9149. Now, as we approach Lent, and it is uh, right around the corner. It's common to hear on Relevant Radio or other Catholic websites uh, things about how to observe Lent. Uh, and we usually think, uh, what are we going to do for Lent? Or maybe, what am I going to offer up this Lent? And this is all great, but uh, this morning I want to focus on what it means to offer it up and uh, what is the value of suffering from a Catholic perspective? Why do we do sacrifices during Lent? Joining us live from our nation's capital in Washington, D.C. is a Catholic writer and speaker, Laura DiMaria. For much more on Lent and the meaning of offering it up, Laura is a revert to the faith, her personal website where she writes on topics including personal development, spiritual study, and living the Catholic faith in daily life can be found at lauradimaria.com. Good morning, Laura. Thanks so much for joining us. It is uh, really good to be with you here on uh, the second day of our Winter Pledge Drive. Yeah, good morning. Happy Winter Pledge Drive time. 
Well, Laura, really appreciate uh, you, you being with us. And, uh, you know, we, we see all of this advice all over the place about how to do Lent uh, and the importance of uh, uniting our sufferings to those of Christ. Why should we as Catholics understand the meaning of suffering? Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, we're really inundated around this time of year as Lent gets closer with information on how to do Lent, you know, and what to give up. And I've I've written about it myself. I've been on this show to talk it talk about it. But I was thinking recently, you know, it's if we don't understand the reason why we're giving things up, then it doesn't quite, you know, have the meaning. And so there's a real beauty to Catholicism <clears throat> that really makes it different from other religions in that we believe that suffering has meaning and it, it isn't meaningless and it's certainly not even a form of punishment. And there's lots of examples in the saints' lives or throughout the Bible of, of times when people went through hardship and it was something that actually brought them closer to God as opposed to just solely being a challenge on their faith. And that's really a big part of the purpose. But even more important than that, Larger than that is the recognition that Christ suffered, and when we suffer, we can unite our suffering to him. And that's really what a lot of Lent is about. And precisely that's something that uh, St. Paul uh, spoke about numerous times, about uniting our our little sufferings to uh, all the big sufferings of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be something really huge. I mean, most of us will not uh, go through the sort of torment that Christ did. But there's, we all know, there's lots of opportunities throughout life, big and small, to recognize suffering when it's happening. And rather than let it be something that that overwhelms you, overcomes you, is a sign to turn towards God, you know, and to be closer to Him. And so during Lent, we're reminded to do this, to look for these moments of suffering, or if you're taking on various forms of penance, to, to seek out these moments of suffering and just recognize it's, it's an inevitable, inevitable part of life, um, but an opportunity to be closer to God. There's no doubt that uh, everyone has different crosses. Uh, your cross is different th- than mine, and our, our listeners have all different crosses. Uh, the suffering is inevitable in life. Uh, but uh, can you talk about how a suffering can have redemptive uh, power and, and value? Right. So, again, just thinking about suffering generally and looking at Jesus's example that's the ultimate example of suffering that was redemptive. We were all redeemed through that, but we can take that on in a personal way too. So when you're offering something up, you know, everyone's probably heard this phrase, offer it up, offer it up that suffering for X, whatever. So rather than suffering for suffering's sake, in a way we're saying, I'm going to suffer so that someone else doesn't have to, or I'm going to essentially apply some, some value, some meaning to this, that helps some other situation and keeping in mind so much of prayer we know that it's not like a you ask for something and then you receive it you may or may not see the results of that thing you know if i'm offering up my suffering for the souls in purgatory for example i don't know (laughs) who it's helped (laughs) they don't come to me and say thanks you know i'm on my way to heaven now um that's not the point the point is to offer it up through prayer and trust in god that he's going to use your suffering the way that it needs to be used can you give us some examples of uh, what we can do to offer it up here during uh, mm-hmm. this upcoming Lenten season? 
Yeah. So of course, fasting is the first thing that comes to mind. It's a very common thing to do during Lent. So the suffering aspect of that is either you've given up something, so you're going hungry or you've given up something that you like. And so it's either you've got hunger pain, that's a form of suffering, or you just, you miss something sweet and you're annoyed about it. But in that moment, you have the ability to say, I do this for someone, for a cause, you know, for something out, outside of myself. But uh, like hunger though, that's just one example. I mean, there's a million of them. And again, like we said, they're big and they're small. I, I personally find that waiting in a long line is kind of a form of suffering. And so I've gotten to the point where if I have to just wait for something, if I'm feeling a little bit impatient, that's a moment to offer something up. Um, you know, or if you're not drinking alcohol or if you get a paper cut or you have a really tough workout, uh, your shower runs out of hot water. You got to take a cold shower. You don't like the haircut you got, you know, there's just all these little annoyances throughout life. And I don't think that we should seek them out. You know, during Lent is a time that, that you do seek them out, but in a, in a sort of planned and controlled way, you know, but I don't think we should be walking around stubbing our toe and saying, Oh gosh, I'm suffering. I'm going to offer that up to God. It's more like recognizing these times throughout your life all the time and learning that I can offer this up through prayer to God easily and say, Lord, I offer this suffering back up to you. Do with it what you need. There's so many uh, different, uh, you know, countless ways that we can offer up uh, little things uh, to our Lord. You know, in terms of, of fasting, there's a difference between fasting and dieting. When we fast, mm-hmm. we're doing it for Christ uh, with a mm-hmm. spiritual perspective. When we're dieting, oftentimes we're doing it for ourselves. So I think if you fast, I think it, it, it turbocharges uh, our ability uh, to do it for Jesus. Right. It's like the difference between doing it for Jesus versus doing it because it's like a competitive self overcoming kind of thing. You know, like I'm actually fasting because I want to lose weight or because I want to fit into something or look good before this vacation or my wedding. And okay, fine. You know, obviously all of us do those things at different times. But as and I know, I've spoken about this on the show before. Lent is not about competition, not with yourself, not with anybody else. You know, you kind of lose that meaning of the purpose of the suffering if it turns into something that's about what can I prove to myself that I can do? You know, what kind of hardship can I prove to myself? And if you do that without this prayerful offering it up, you're really, you're not on track with what the intent of Lent. And we can learn from the saints throughout the centuries who have been great examples of uniting their little sufferings to the, the big sufferings of Christ. For sure. I mean, that's how many of our saints became saints. I mean, you can go straight to the many, many martyrs that have existed or just anybody that has had any kind of big suffering. And I, I think about people like, for example, St. Josephine Bikita, you know, um, a, a person who underwent slavery. Um, and it was through her relationship with God that she really, even after she was physically free, you know, found a, a purpose in life and a sense of freedom. But that was just enormous suffering, um, you know, or think about Our Lady of Sorrows. Think about Mary herself and what she went through watching her son suffer what he did. So as always, we've got the saints to rely on and to learn from and to be examples for us and to remember that as they, as they achieved sainthood, so we are called to do as well. Laura, as always, appreciate your insights and perspective. Thanks so much for being with us here this morning. Thanks for having me on the show. Many blessings to you. Catholic writer and speaker Laura DiMaria joining us from Metro Washington, D.C. We need to take a short break when we come back. 
licensed marriage and family therapist Doug Hinder will join us to discuss what to look for in a spouse and what to avoid. Stay with us as uh, Morning Air and our Give From the Heart Pledge Drive continues here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Listener-supported radio. Talk that brings Christ to the world. Welcome back to the Relevant Radio Winter Pledge Drive. Give from the heart. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance and Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us on this Tuesday morning as we continue with day two of our Give From The Heart Winner Pledge Drive. Thanks so much for all of your support uh, from the heart. Of yesterday, uh, it, was a, it was a good day, a good start. And again, we can't do it without you. We need your help. As we do every morning, our power scripture from the Playbook of Life is from John 2.5. The beloved disciple, St. John, writes, His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. This Sunday, we celebrate the Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes, where Holy Mary called herself the Immaculate Conception. Our Blessed Mother's mission is the same today as it was 2,000 years ago. She always points us to her son, Jesus the Lord. Mary said to the servants at the wedding feast of Cana, do whatever he tells you. That is, do whatever Jesus is telling you to do. This is what it's all about, following Christ from the heart every day of your life. And we always pray with great confidence. A prayer from the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. Our number, if you want to be part of the conversation here this morning, 888-914-9149. Valentine's Day is a week from tomorrow. Can you believe it? And tomorrow is actually the start of National Marriage Week. It's a great opportunity to talk about what to look for in a spouse and what to avoid if you're uh, dating someone or someone you love is in search uh, for a spouse. Uh, please listen, and you might want to share this segment and our podcast with them. Joining us live uh, with much more on what to uh, look for in a spouse is licensed marriage and family therapist Doug Hinder, the host of Marriage Unhindered, heard Saturdays at 11 Central here on Relevant Radio. Uh, Doug's passion is working with couples uh, to help them live the married life that God intended from the beginning. He's been married for 43-plus years to his incredible wife, Shirley. They have nine children and eight grandchildren. And You can always find Doug at happymarriageforlife.com. Good morning, Doug. Thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be with you once again right here in day two of our webs of our pledge drive. Yeah, good. Yeah, good morning, John. And thanks for the uh, the shout out about uh, marriage unhindered on Saturday. And this whole topic about who to date and how to choose a good spouse. I spent an entire hour on that last Saturday. So if your listeners go out to the podcast, they, the things you and I will talk about, they'll get a lot more uh, and greater detail uh, if they go out to the podcasts. Doug, first of all, why should our listeners support uh, this apostolate of, of relevant radio that, that really gives a platform <laughs> on, a, on a regular basis? And, of course, with your program of promoting the sacrament of marriage. Yeah, well, again, exactly right. I, I think we, you know, I, we, we give knowledge of the faith. Uh, we we, uh, we catechize. We teach people how to think about their faith. I, I'll give you a I'll give you a great story. So my mother tunes in every Saturday morning, of course, 94 years old, to listen to her son on the radio. And she always tunes in early, so she hears Patrick Madrid, you know, the replay of Patrick Madrid. And she called me, Sarah, and said, 
I've got a question I want to ask him. I, I, I might call in. And I'm like, okay, mom, whatever. Monday, I get out of mass. I turn on my car radio. I hear my mother's voice. So she called in Monday to talk to Patrick. And afterwards, he said, I felt so good about the advice he gave me. It really put my heart at ease. And I think, there you go. People call in and they get their heart put at ease. That is such a great story. I, I love it. God love your mother for listening uh, to your show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's great. All right. You know, I mentioned that um, we are beginning uh, a week dedicated to, to marriage here in, in the church. Yeah. Why does the church do that? Well, I think, you know, I, because marriage is in trouble. Marriage is in great jeopardy. And I've quoted this statistic before, but 60 years ago, 1960, there were 400,000 Catholic weddings in the United States of America. 2020, 60 years later, there were 100,000. And so marriage is on the decline across the globe, but especially in our church, people are not seeing the value of getting married in the church. And so I think the bishops are saying, hey, wait a minute, folks, this is really important. It's a sacrament. You get sacramental grace. You need that grace for, for marriage to survive because, you know, you look at the divorce statistics and they're just really staggeringly poor. So. Well, this is why we, we gave you a platform here on this show, and this is why you have your own show on Relevant Radio, because we yeah. can't talk enough and encourage enough to folks uh, about the, the beauty of uh, the sacrament of marriage. Now, what about the folks who are looking for a spouse, uh, and um, they're, maybe they're already dating? Uh, can you share with us what they should be looking for in a spouse? Yeah. So and I think, you know, they need to look for someone who knows how to love them. And I, there's, I think, four components to what love is all about. And you need to check the box on all four of these. And one is, is the person ought to be a real friend. Do you have things in common? And are they loyal? And look at how they treat their other friends. Are they loyal? Do they have kind of a servant mindset in friendship? I think it's first thing. Second thing, you want you need someone who's kind and, and gentle. Like Kindness is so important in marriage. And so often couples show up you know, in my office, and they're just not being kind. They're being mean to each other. And so you, you want to stay away from anybody who can be mean when they're upset, but who knows how to be kind and how to do acts of service and acts of kindness. Even just a kind word is really important in marriage. Second thing, third thing, I, you need someone you're physically attracted to. Uh, you know, someone who you would like to have children with, someone who you, when you look at their face, your heart skips a beat, you know, it, it puts a smile in, in your heart. And then the last thing is someone who, and this is the most important thing, is one who can love unconditionally and sacrificially, who can imitate Jesus, that they can, they can sacrifice and put themselves second and put you first. And the fact that they've made a sacrifice of what they want in order to please you brings them pleasure as well. So I was, those are the top four things to look for. A real friend, kind and gentle, physically attracted, and someone who can love you sacrificially. And uh, the good Lord uh, put it in our DNA to be searching for beauty. Obviously, we want to marry yeah. someone who we're physically uh, attracted to, but but we also have to be aware that it can't only be physical attraction. There has to be much right. more be behind uh, the great looks. Yeah, and that's where couples go wrong a lot of times because when you, when you think about physical attraction, that's um, that that's being enamored with somebody, right? That is infatuation. And a lot of times people think, well, I'm infatuated or that this feeling is so intense, this must be love. No, the infatuation is the attraction for you to get to know the person better. 
to decide, can they be a real friend? Are they kind and gentle? And are they sacrificial? A lot of people get married based on infatuation. And infatuation has a shelf life of six to nine months. And after that, it wanes off. And the other three loves need to kick in. And if they don't, no, boy, then you got a problem. Want to open up our phone lines. If you want to share what you were looking for uh, in a spouse uh, before you got married, or if you have a comment or question for licensed marriage and family therapist, Doug Hinder, we're taking your calls at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. We're going to take a, a short uh, time out as we continue our conversation with Doug. Stay with us. There's more to come on the other side after this Relevant Radio Miracle Moment. Changing lives in your neighborhood and across the nation. Here's another Relevant Radio Miracle Moment. Let's go now to Gloria calling in from Miami, Florida. Gloria, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling. Thank you. I just wanted to say what it means to me is it is so important that he did this for us, that he gives us a second chance to come to him. And that's such a blessing to me. I needed to hear this word today because I've been foolish living of the world and I am so grateful that he's such a forgiving and mighty God I'm so grateful God bless you guys please continue I stumbled on this station because God led me to the station to hear his word thank you bless you guys so much this miracle moment was brought to you by you Make a tax-deductible donation now to support our mission at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Dear future wife, someday I'll meet you face to face. But for tonight, I have some things I want to say. Maybe you are feeling broken, but I know you're beautiful. And welcome back to Morning Air as uh, we continue with day two of our Gift from the Heart Winter Pledge Drive. I'm John Morales, uh, along with Glenn and Sarah. It's great to be with you. Our number, if you want to be part of the program, 888-914-9149. As we continue our conversation with Doug Hinder, licensed marriage and family therapist and the host of Marriage Unhindered. Um, Doug, we were talking before the break uh, uh, of of things that we want to look for uh, in a a potential spouse. Uh, um, What about some other things that we should keep in mind? I think, yeah, a couple things on what not to, you know, who not to marry. And I, I think first is what I call the foolproof test. And that is what are your family and friends saying about the person that you're dating? And if they're saying, hey, you got lucky, hold on to this one. Don't let this one get away. That's a really good sign. But if they're saying, hey, are you sure you know what you're doing? We've got some concerns. You need to listen to them. And I, so often when I work with couples who are divorced, one of them will say, you know what? My friends told me this was a mistake and I didn't listen or my parents were opposed to me marrying this person and I didn't listen. And I sure wish I would have. So I think that's a really strong litmus test as to whether or not you are with someone who you should be. What are family and friends saying? So that's the first thing. I think the other thing I'd say, listen, stay away. There's a few things you need to stay away from. And first is someone who is selfish, self-focused, who complains about you not giving them attention, who's very emotionally needy. Self-love is the opposite of the love of others. And so if you're dating someone who's focused on themselves, their happiness, what they're doing, that's going to be tough to live with. So stay away from really selfish, self-centered, kind of egotistical people. That doesn't end well. 
Um, and then people whose moods change a lot, you know, people who lack emotional stability. So they're kind of hypersensitive. You're always walking on eggshells. You're afraid you might upset them or, you know, they're happy one minute and crying and sad the next. People with big emotional swings can be really difficult to, to be married to as well. Doug, uh, Mary is joining us this morning uh, from uh, North Carolina. Good morning, Mary. You're on with Doug Hinder. Yes. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. So um, I have a really uh, wonderful daughter. She's been dating someone for 14 months. He's Catholic. He's very kind. He serves her, especially when she doesn't feel well. She has some stomach issues. Um, he is very much um, on making sure that everything is perfect. And, you know, she wants to get married. Um, they they get along wonderfully. They have fun. We've met him. A great guy. Um, he's extremely um, a little bit... Um, uh, wants to make sure that everything is perfect before they get married. Um, you know, she is definitely chaste, and she's waiting for the right person, and she knows it's him. How long does she wait for him um, to be ready for marriage? Well, that's a really good question. And I think the, the magic number st statistically is like two years. Couples who date for two years or more have a much lower divorce rate than people who get married in under two years. Um, but if, if, you know, he might be part of it is, yeah, he might be, you know, hasn't just to make a decision. A lot of young men in our generation have a hard time making a decision and moving forward. So I think I would, you know, if you get out to about the one year mark, it's time to say, Hey, we've invested a year in this thing. And what are your plans? And we need to make some definitive plans and move forward. See if he isn't capable of making plans or making commitments, or if he's just moving a little bit slow, that would be, that would be my thought on that, Mary. Thanks so much, uh, Mary. Appreciate the call. Uh, Doug, you know, the clock is much shorter oh, here during the yeah. pledge drive. Uh, yeah, final, yeah, yeah. literally th 30 uh, seconds, uh, your, your final thoughts. I think here's what I would say to people who are single looking for a spouse. thing you should be doing right now is pray. Pray for your future spouse. God knows who that person is. Pray that they stay chaste. Pray that they, you know, develop good habits and, and that they stay safe, that their soul is safe. So pray for that person. Uh, and, and pray about the person and ask God to bring them into your life and, and help you to know who they are and, and uh, so that, uh, you know, that you can make a good decision. I would pray. That's the most important thing. And become the kind of person someone wants to marry. Become a person of virtue. Great advice. Uh, we'll have to leave it there. Thanks so much, uh, Doug. And of course, uh, you can listen to much more of uh, Doug Hinder on his show, Marriage Unhindered, Saturdays at 11 Central here on Relevant Radio. And now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. classic story today about generosity in giving during our pledge drive. This is called the pickle jar. The pickle jar, as far back as I can remember, sat on the floor beside the dresser in my parents' bedroom. When he got ready for bed, Dad would empty his pockets and toss his coins into the jar. As a small boy, I was always fascinated at the sounds the coins made as they were dropped into the jar. They landed with a merry jingle when the jar was almost empty. The tones gradually muted to a dull thud as the jar was filled. I used to squat on the floor in front of the jar and admire the copper and silver circles that glinted like a pirate's treasure when the sun poured through the bedroom window. When the jar was filled, Dad would sit at the kitchen table and roll the coins before taking them to the bank. Taking the coins to the bank was always a big production. Stacked neatly in a small cardboard box, the coins were placed between Dad and me on the seat of his old truck. Each and every time as we drove to the bank, Dad would look at me hopefully. Those coins are going to keep you out of the textile mill, son. You're going to do better than me. This old mill town's not going to hold you back. Also, each and every time as he slid the box of rolled coins across the counter at the bank toward the cashier, he'd grin proudly. These are from my son's college fund. 
He'll never work at the mill all his life like me. Now, we'd always celebrate each deposit by stopping for an ice cream cone. I always got chocolates. Dad always got vanilla. When the clerk at the ice cream parlor handed Dad his change, he'd show me a few coins nestled in his palm. He said, when we get home, we'll start filling the jar again. And he always let me drop the first coins into the empty jar. As they rattled around with a brief happy jingle, we grinned at each other. You'll get to college on pennies, nickels, dimes, and quarters, he said, but you'll get there. I'll see to that. The years passed, and I finished college and took a job at another town. Once while visiting my parents, I used the phone in their bedroom, and I noticed the pickle jar was gone. It had served its purpose and had been removed. A lump rose in my throat as I stared at the spot beside the dresser where the jar had always stood. My dad was a man of few words and never lectured me on the value of determination, perseverance, and faith. The pickle jar had taught me all those virtues far more eloquently than the most flowery of words could have done. When I married, I told my wife Susan about the significant part the lowly pickle jar had played in my life as a boy. In my mind, it defined more than anything else how much my dad had loved me. No matter how rough things got at home, Dad continued to doggedly drop his coins into the jar. Even the summer when Dad got laid off from the mill and Mama had to serve dried beans several times a week, not a single dime was taken from the jar. To the contrary, as Dad looked across the table at me, pouring ketchup over my beans to make them more palatable, he became more determined than ever to make a way out for me. When you finish college, son, he told me, his eyes glistening, you'll never have to eat beans again unless you want to. The first Christmas... After our daughter Jessica was born, we spent the holiday with my parents. After dinner, Mom and Dad sat next to each other on the sofa, taking turns cuddling their first grandchild. Jessica began to whimper softly, and Susan took her from Dad's arms. She probably needs to be changed, she said, carrying the baby into my parents' bedroom to diaper her. When Susan came back into the living room, there was a strange mist in her eyes. She headed Jessica back to Dad before taking my hand and leading me into the room. Look, she said softly, her eyes directing me to a spot on the floor beside the dresser. To my amazement, there, as if it had never been removed, stood the old pickle jar, the bottom already covered in coins. I walked over to the pickle jar, dug down into my pocket, pulled out a fistful of coins. With a gamut of emotions choking me, I dropped the coins into the jar. I looked up and saw the dad carrying Jessica had slipped quietly into the room, our eyes locked, and I knew he was feeling the same emotions I felt. Neither one of us could speak. 1 Timothy 6.18 Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. As always, thanks so much, uh, Glenn. Uh, coming up next hour here on Morning Air, Catholic evangelist Martha Fernandez-Sardina will be with us to talk about the call to love like Our Lady of Lourdes. Plus, Father Rocky, the CEO of Relevant Radio, will join us to discuss his Lenten lessons on the Mass and ways to get ready for Ash Wednesday and Lent. Stay with us. There's much more to come in the final hour of Morning Air as we continue with our winter pledge drive.